Hi, beautiful people. Welcome back to Love and Light. It's your girl, C, Sienna, Mamacita. You know the drill. Uh, this still feels pretty weird to do, but also really exciting. So here we are. For the past two years, I've done a list of X amount of things I've learned by X age. So 21 things I learned by 21, 22 things I learned by 22. Next year, I'll do 23 by 23, etc. I got inspired because I saw this like 50 things to learn from a 50-year-old trending on Facebook, uh, something of that nature, and it really inspired me. One, the lessons were kind of cool. I didn't agree with all of them, but it also was nice to reflect on things I hadn't actively considered before. And I thought, you know, we often look at older people for wisdom and sage advice, but I think seldom do we actually reflect on our own wisdom and what we can learn from ourselves and what we can articulate and say, I have learned this lesson. A lot of people have called me an old soul my entire life, honestly, so maybe that comes into play here. I don't know. I guess a precursor to me saying I've learned these things, air quotes, is that these are things I believe to be true. They're things that I've extrapolated from my experiences. It does not mean that I don't struggle with them. It does not mean that I've mastered them to any degree, but simply that I hold these things to be true and I return to these as reminders of the way I want to live my life. So let's get into it. I kind of want to read through all of them, but I'm not going to do that because that would be 43 things and that's a lot. Uh, We'll start with the 21 list. There's eight things in total that y'all wanted me to talk about from both lists. So that's what we're doing. And both of these lists are on my Insta. I think I should be able to add them to the website. uh, But if not, I will definitely put them in the love and light highlight um, on my Insta. So they'll be easily accessible. And I'll post them immediately after announcing this podcast. So if you go to my story, both lists will be linked. Okay, so first for today, but number eight on the list is that work ethic is everything. I've thought about this because I've had a lot of conversations about like talent versus work ethic and what people would prefer to have and what employers look at and so on. And I saw this quote, I want to say from like Mark Zuckerberg, but I don't know how reliable that is, that said like, pick the laziest person for a job because they'll find the most efficient way to get it done. Which I thought was actually really comical because I'm such a procrastinator and I can be lazy, but I'm only lazy when I'm not passionate about the work I'm doing. So I thought that was interesting to say the least, right? Uh, That's a little caveat. But truly, work ethic is everything. You always hear this idea that like you have the same 24 hours in a day as Beyonce. And the sociologist in me really pops out with that one because like, no, you don't. We don't all have the same resources as Beyonce, so we can't use our time in the same way. Um, And that could be a discussion for another episode. But the point being, I guess, that like everyone has challenges, everyone has barriers, and I'm not going to minimize the fact that certain barriers simply are more difficult to cope with than others. That's a fact. On the flip side of that, I'm not here to play oppression Olympics. So the point I guess I'm really trying to make is that you have the agency to accomplish what you set out to do. Ultimately, it comes down to your actions. There are always going to be external factors and forces. There are always going to be unideal circumstances. But 
It's about your grit, your tenacity, and your work ethic to move through those times, right? How hard are you willing to go for this? How long are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to sacrifice? The person who is naturally talented isn't going to be good without practice. The, sorry, they aren't going to be good without practice, right? Like natural talent needs rest. Natural talent makes mistakes. Natural talent is human because it's natural. Practice, however, makes permanent. The person who shows up, the person who's consistent, who's coachable, and the person who gives it their all, all of the time, is the person who can and will move forward and make sustainable progress. That's the person who grows. That's the person who gets promoted, who reaches their goals. And most importantly, I would argue, is the person actually prepared to achieve and revel in their success. Work ethic is the preparation for the goals that you have and the goals you've yet to dream of. Hopping off the soapbox, but you get the point. Work ethic is truly everything. Number nine, prayer is healing. I actually got a request to talk about my journey with like religion and spirituality, and I didn't know that that would ever be of interest to y'all. Um, I know I said I was, you know, a woman of God and faith focused in the first episode, and it was just something I wanted y'all to know about me. But if you are also interested in that, definitely use the submission link on my website to let me know. Thank you for that recommendation. You know who you are. I really appreciate it. For me, prayer is my form of meditation. Prayer is my grounding point, right? I start off every morning by waking up and saying, thank you for waking me up. It's a great day to be alive. And that is so cheesy, right? That's not lost on me. But it's true. And I think it's one of those things, like if you truly just remind yourself, today was not guaranteed and I woke up. And if you start with that framework, it sets me up for a very different kind of day than if I were to not be focused on the gratitude, right? Attitude of gratitude was something I also mentioned in the first episode. But yeah, for me, prayer is one of those things that I do very intentionally and very consciously. And of course, there are certain times where I'm like, ah, thank God. And it's like, wait, no literally thank God this thing happened or thank God that thing didn't happen. It reminds me of a story where I found out someone was cheating on me and I literally was like, thank God that you put it on my heart to end this relationship before I found out that they were cheating. And I had that placed on my heart because I had prayed literally every day that week. I was in such need of healing even before the relationship was over. And you know, prayer is my time to cry, to take deep breaths, to go on tangents. Prayer is my space to process. Um, and processing is healing. Talking about it is healing. Crying about it is healing. And the power of taking a deep breath, like mentally, physically, emotionally, a deep breath is always beneficial. So yeah, For me, prayer has been that thing that has truly just mended my heart. You see a lot of posts about like, shout out to my friends who are healing from things they don't talk about or people fighting their own battles that I know nothing about. And for me, that's true. And also, I'm never actually in it alone. There's nothing that, you know, my God doesn't know about me. And there's a lot that everyone in my life doesn't know about me. And that's true for everyone, right? There are just so many aspects of your core individual who you are that no one knows. 
So for me, and I keep saying that, but um, prayer really is that safe space where I can authentically release all of the facades, all of the fears, and really just be Sienna. And I think to be so radically yourself is a healing practice, and I feel radically myself when I pray. Next is number 10. There are a few things that make me happier than salsa dancing and eating chocolate. Um, yeah, obviously, like I laugh and I smile when I say that because it's true. This is just a fact for y'all to know about me, right? One of the other ones, I think in both of these, maybe I have them in front of me, which is why I'm checking. Yeah, number 18 on 22 things I've learned about 22, learned by 22, is that dance brings out a joy in people you seldom see. And I think that goes along here with number 10, because the joy that I feel when salsa dancing, and I love all genres, but I would say specifically like salsa, and maybe I'll add bachata now, um, just makes me feel really joyous, right? I feel very connected to my roots, to my culture, and to my mom. My mom was a great dancer, and I grew up dancing with her, dancing on her feet, and just learning and expressing and it was just so fun and I think for me dance is always bringing it back to those core memories where it really didn't matter how good you were or what the technique was it was simply important for you to be enjoying it and it was one of the few things that I feel the root cause of or the root role of it in my life was to bring me joy and was a form of expression And so to this day, that remains, it is just one of the only things that I would say consistently and almost automatically makes me happy. And of course, eating chocolate, right? That's very stereotypical. I eat chocolate almost every day of my life in some form, and I have no shame about it. I love chocolate. And, you know, I try to do it in a healthy way, and that's all I can do. (laughs) All right, moving on. Number 16. Oh gosh. Okay. It is not your job to convince someone of your value. I know I said I'm not a master at any of these, but wow, like I'm really not a master at this one, y'all. It is not your job to convince someone of your value. Just listen to that and let that actually sink in. And I've heard it before, so I don't want to say that this is my own phrasing. I want to say it's something I saw on Instagram, but it's one of the few things that I really took heed to because I'm such a people person. You know, like I said, I want to create community. I want to connect with people. That's huge for me. And being Latina, family is a huge part of the culture and respecting your elders and whatnot. So I've always been a bit of a people pleaser, maybe more than a little bit, if we're being honest. Um, But I'm growing out of it. I'm unlearning it, but it's there. I acknowledge it. I own it. And so reading this for the first time, it is not your job to convince someone of your value really struck me. And it's something that I have to consistently remind myself of because there's so many times where for a variety of reasons, you want that one person to see your value and to validate your value. and. Honestly, those are the moments where you need this reminder the most, right? Where you need to tell yourself, that's not my job. (laughs) The day that you were born, you held all of the worth you were ever going to have. Your worth is your being. 
It's not your job. It's not your clothes. It's not your income. It's not your family. Your worth is you. Um, I see like value and worth is synonymous. Um, but I think almost of respect to convince someone of your value is to try and make them respect you. Because if someone doesn't see value in you, they tend not to associate with you and in that you're probably not feeling respected by them. I watched a sermon the other day and it really got me thinking, right? For my Christians, like you see the, what would Jesus do? God never tried to convince people of his value. Jesus showed people what he could do, invited people to follow him, but he never tried to convince someone of his value. He never sought for external validation. He simply was, and his worth, his value, and his power was so undeniable that millions of people saw, believed, and followed. So for my Christians, if God never tried to convince people, if God didn't ask you to convince him, then why on God's green earth are you caught up trying to convince someone else of your value? If you have to convince someone of your value, I'd argue you're actively decreasing your worth because those who truly know their value are unafraid and unbothered by others not seeing it. They're so assured that their value will speak for itself that they're not concerned about convincing others. The second you start trying to convince someone of your value, you're communicating that their opinion of you matters more than your own. Also, and this is kind of circular, but honestly, the most powerful way to convince someone of your worth is to not try. Simply being, existing, and exuding your power communicates your worth exponentially exponentially why can i not speak exponentially more than when you're trying to convince someone you can't force someone to see a blessing you just have to let them miss out and still know that you're the damn blessing so again i'm going to remind you that you are worthy you are deserving you matter just as you are stop trying to convince others and stand firm in your own knowledge of your value. Again, that was slightly soapboxy, but I really want to get that point across um, because I think it's something, I know it's something I struggle with and I think it's something that could be of value to you all. So I hope I'm right in that and I hope that, you know, if only one person listens to this episode, but that one person needed to hear this, I consider it a success. Um, All right. Number 17 ties in, I would say, pretty nicely. It reads, you deserve a fierce love, a person who chooses to love you every single day. This is a lesson, but I also think it's simply like a reminder or affirmation to myself when I read it that you are worthy, I am worthy of the love that you dream to have, the love that you aspire to have. You deserve it. I want to emphasize also the choice in you deserve a person who chooses to love you every single day. I think love is an emotion and a choice. I don't think you get to choose who you feel love for, but you can choose to actively love someone every day. I can't make myself love you. I think the emotion has to be the foundation. But once the emotion is there, 
it's not enough, right? Emotion is not enough to sustain anything. It's great to know so-and-so loves me, but I need someone who chooses to love me every day. I deserve someone who chooses to love me every day. And so do you. And I think the ferocity, right? I said, uh, the first part says a fierce love. And I think for me, the verb of loving someone is fierce and is active as opposed to the passive emotion that naturally arises. So again, to you, my friends, this is the reminder that you deserve the love you seek. You are worthy of the standards you set, period. Um, Number 19, people treat you the way you allow them to. Stop making excuses for them. This one, I go back and forth on, and I don't want to say it with like a thousand percent confidence because to a degree, it's not your fault. If someone disrespects you, it's not your fault. If someone abuses you, especially with like sexual assault, any abuse, truthfully, it's never the survivor's fault. Like I stand firm in that. In less serious situations, like just social settings and scenarios, I do think people treat you the way you allow them to because you put them in positions of power over you. What I mean by that is that they know that they impact you. They know that they have access to you. And because of that, they will use that role how they see fit. And if you acknowledge this person is taking advantage of me and you continue to let them to have access to you, you're letting them treat you that way. It's not your fault that they took advantage of you originally. Their intentions are not your fault. However, regardless of intention, once you know their impact over you, you're actively allowing them to treat you this way by allowing them to have access to you, by not setting boundaries. And if you set boundaries and they disrespect them, let them go. And I know, I know it's easier said than done. Believe me, I am also someone who looks for the good in everyone. And, you know, that's a blessing and a curse, right? Everything has duality in life. But that gets to the second point. Stop making excuses for them. For me, it's really just a reminder that it does not matter how much you love them. It does not matter how much potential you see. It does not matter how good your memories are with them or how strong or long they've been in your life. You have to look at actions. You have to look at the pattern and see how are they impacting me. And if you're consistently frustrated, sad, upset, disrespected, then you need to stop making excuses for them. You have the agency. That is the core message here. You have the right the agency, and the power to set boundaries so that people cannot treat you any kind of way. It feels kind of harsh to say, but that really is how I'm feeling right now. Um, If people don't respect your boundaries, they're communicating that they don't respect you. And I would argue then, they don't have access to you. They don't deserve it. And more importantly, I think, is that you deserve better than someone who doesn't respect you. It feels harsh, but I mean it. So I'm going to say it with my chest. (laughs) Um, Okay, now we're on to 22 things I've learned by 22. So we're on our last three lessons, um, by the way. So number four says, the hardest thing and the right thing are often one and the same. 
greed and deception, I think very natural human things that we kind of expect from people to a certain degree, in part because of our capitalist structure, and we can go into that another day, have become the default. When in doubt, look out for yourself at all costs. That's the messaging you hear, see, read everywhere. But I think the harder thing to do is often the right thing to do. It's to not take advantage of that person, to not deceive them, to not be greedy. Generally speaking for me, the right thing to do is typically the thing that generates the most positive impact. So whatever action impacts the most people positively, even if I'm not in that group, the thing that impacts me the most positively in the long run, that's the right thing. This makes me think about ethics class and, you know, if the train is coming, do you let one person die or 30 people? And most people say one because the principle is the same, you know, mass impact. Um, But some people will say the 30 because the course the train was on was naturally headed towards the 30 people. And I think that reflects this idea that the easy thing to do for some people would be to blame the deaths on fate and say, well, that's what was happening. I think the difficult thing to do would be to intervene and live knowing the cost of your intervention. This one person died because you switched the course of the train. There's so much to that that could be unpacked, and this isn't an ethics class, uh, but it just reminded me of it. So let me know what y'all think in that situation. You can look it up. Um, Just like look up train ethics question, and I'm positive it'll pop up. At its core, I think the right thing to do is often the selfless thing to do. And I think that's always the more difficult thing because it requires a release, a release of ego, of greed, of immediate wants and desires in the name of the greater good. And I think we live in a world of instant gratification and that has been a hindrance so much more than it's been beneficial to literally anyone I know. When I say greater good, The greater good isn't always others, right? Um, The greater good is your own growth. But that also means doing something you haven't yet done to achieve a result you've yet to see. In relationships, that can mean breaking up or letting that person go because you know that they're no good for you. Regardless of how much you love them, regardless of how many memories you have, regardless of, no, he's good once you get to know him, and I don't want to hear it, right? you know when someone's not good for you. And that's the hard thing to do because you don't want to feel like you're giving up on someone or whatever. But also, that's the greatest good for you and for them, might I add, right? I would even say it's not necessarily relationships, right? You can have toxic friends, not romantic relationships, sorry. You can have toxic friends, you can have toxic family members, and that's a whole discussion for another day. But I do think that like, If you are thinking about letting someone go, you probably have more than enough reason for why you're feeling that way. It's probably the right thing to do. And the reason you haven't done it is because it's the hard thing to do. Again, one and the same, right? It's the right thing to do for you because it's your life, it's your happiness, it's your sanity, it's your boundaries, and you have to look out for yourself. And holding people to a higher standard and having them face the consequences of being held to that standard is beneficial for them. So yeah, obviously this isn't just about relationships, right? Um, I do think in a majority of situations, the right thing and the heart thing are often one and the same. So yeah, I'm going to stick by that statement. 
Okay. Uh, number 17 is actually the last real lesson that I want to dive into, but I'll address the last one since it was asked. But yeah, number 17. It is unacceptable to help someone at your own expense. You can give your time, your energy, your support, as long as it is not actively harming you. As someone with people-pleasing tendencies, like I said before, uh, this was a painful one to write and hear and listen to and learn. Um, This is a reminder that I actually need to tell myself often because I am very self-sacrificial and that's simply not healthy. In your day-to-day life, if you are sacrificing your happiness, your joy, your mental state to help someone else, air quotes, it's unacceptable. It's not okay. And you really need to check yourself because ultimately, helping someone is about adding value to their life. However, if you're helping them is actively harming you, then it's no longer helping someone. It's choosing them over yourself. and. That really is the root of this, is that you have to be your own priority. In different phases of life, I understand that this changes, right? I'm not a mom or a parent. Um, I have a younger sister, but of course, like, she's my sister. Um, So I understand that in different seasons of life, this may not hold true, or I may not agree with it. And that's okay. I'm allowed to evolve and change and change my mind on things as I experience new life. Um... But at this phase of my life, at 22, single, meaning unmarried, no children, no one's sole caretaker, then I stand by this. It is absolutely your job to be your own priority. No one has your back the way you do. No one understands you the way you do. And so I think this is more about saying that you have to choose you every day and understand what that looks like. Does that mean not supporting your friend, not giving them your time or your energy? No, absolutely not. But what it means is boundaries. Saying, hey, I can talk right now, but I have work in 30 minutes. You're giving them your time, your support, and you're letting them know ahead of time, I'm here for you and I'm setting this boundary because I need to do this thing for myself. But the self-sacrificial people-pleaser tendency that I know not just I, but some of us have, right? And what I'm saying is the unacceptable thing is the scenario where you're on the phone and you have work in 30 minutes, but you don't let them know or you just decide to ignore it and you go into work an hour late because you were on the phone with your friend. In the scheme of life, that one scenario is probably not going to be the reason that you get fired or anything like that. But again, these lessons are not about one-time situations. Um, They're general guidelines that I try and utilize. So if you do this once because your friend needed you determined by your own criteria, then you're probably fine. But if you do this every time your friend breaks up with their partner and you're constantly helping someone else at your own expense, then it's not okay. And in my own life, I realized that I would very often help people at my own expense, and then just tell myself that it was the right thing to do um, because of the role I was in. So I would be losing sleep and therefore not study for my test because that's what good friends do. They stay up late with their friends and they hear them out. Or, you know, you're running low on cash, but good friends go to the fancy dinner for their friend and, you know, chip in for their meal or get them the present, things like that. Um, And yeah, I guess my point ultimately, and it's one of my favorite words, um, 
is just to say that you need to set boundaries with yourself, for yourself, and with others, because you need to be your own priority. And repeatedly helping someone at your own expense is unhealthy for you, unhealthy for them, because you can't pour from an empty cup. And very often you will grow resentment, probably subconsciously, towards that person because you don't feel like you're seeing the results or the appreciation that you want or expect from, you know, your help, your sacrifice. And if you're depleting yourself in the name of helping someone, you're actually just minimizing your own impact, right? You're minimizing your impact on them because healthy boundaries allow for sustainable progress and prolonged support. You're minimizing the impact that you could have with other people, again, because you're feeling depleted and, you know, everything everything comes with a price, essentially, right? Emotional labor is taxing. Physical labor is exhausting. Um, and labor is labor. Supporting your friend, helping them is labor. And you need to allow yourself space to recharge so that you can engage with yourself and with anyone else in the way that you want to and be, you know, in this situation, as helpful as possible. Boundaries and agency seem to be like the themes here uh, pretty naturally because I think it's something I've struggled with for a long time. But I just want to reiterate that we all have our own criteria of when it is acceptable or unacceptable to be self-sacrificial. And all I'm saying is that if your default or norm is to sacrifice yourself in the name of helping others, really evaluate that and sit with that because you matter too. Your health holistically, mental, spiritual, physical, financial, your health matters. Your comfort matters. Your problems matter. And they are all deserving of your time and energy. You are deserving of your own time and love and affection. And it doesn't make you a bad person to set boundaries. Uh, The last one, I was asked to talk about calling myself an artist. And I want to wrap this up so it's not too long. Um, But I guess very quickly, what I'll say is that for so long, I thought to call myself an artist was to claim like a level of proficiency in that field of art. I thought if I'm not great or trained or at a professional level, then I'm not an artist. And I've since shifted my definition in the past like two-ish years and really just decided that for me, artistry is not defined by others' validation or parameters of my work. It's about what my work means to me, what my work does for me, um, and how I express myself, right? Be it dance or a stamp I made or a podcast episode. Um, To be an artist is to use my art in any form as an authentic means of expression, regardless of the quality or impact on others. So I can say I'm an artist, I'm a dancer. I'm now like a printmaker and I'm a podcaster. I'm, I would argue, an amateur at all of these things, but that doesn't mean that it's not art when I'm doing it. It's art for me. Um, and that's what matters. So, yeah, those are all of the, you know, reflections I've had as I continue to rotate around the sun. Um, I told you on episode one that I'm going to ramble and express myself. And 
I'm just really hoping that there is something of substance and of value for the yeah for you in these episodes. And that's why I really want to encourage y'all to use the submission link so that I can, you know, engage with topics and with you in ways that are authentic and fun. I really, really want to give advice, not necessarily because I'm qualified, but because I think it's always a fun way to, one, like hear another person's perspective, a fun way to connect, right? Um, It's like when you call the radio and you actually are the person that answers or that gets answered rather. Um, it's just a nice feeling to be like, oh my God, I'm live on air. So to know that your story got picked, right, or that it's the topic of discussion or inspired an episode, I think would be a really fun feeling, hopefully. Um, so yeah, just let me know what's of interest to you, um, what's not of interest to you. And it, again, if you've made it this far, thank you so much. I am, you know, eternally and immensely grateful the fact that episode one right now has like 39 downloads across three continents is mind boggling. It's absolutely insane. And it really is super, super heartwarming. I hope this was a value and all the details, right? The submission link and my website is loveandlight.buzzsprout.com. Follow and hit me up on Insta, M-A-M-A dot X-I-T-A. That's my main platform for all things Love and Night love and light. Tune in next episode. And without further ado, love and light, beautiful people.
So this was a very like rambling episode. Um, I told y'all in episode one, right, that I am going to ramble and express myself. And I am just really hoping that there is something of substance and of value for you in these episodes. Um, And that's why I really encourage you to use the submission link so that I can engage with topics and with you in ways that are authentic and fun um, and of interest to you, right? I don't know what's of interest to you if you don't let me know. So if you've made it this far, again, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Um, The fact that episode one has like 30 downloads right now already makes my heart oh so happy. Um, It's still really terrifying to do this and I'm talking to myself right now, but I know that I'm uploading this and it's just weird to think about how many people could potentially be listening to this and judging it and also slightly exhilarating. And I'm going to lean more into that exhilarating part of me than I am the fear part. Um, So yeah, just thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Please let me know, you know, what you think about what I've said. Um, Use the submission link on my website, loveandlight.buzzsprout.com. Hit me up on Insta. Follow me on Insta. That'll be my main platform for all things Love and Light. So let me know what you want to hear about next. Um, I know that my goal is to upload at least twice a month or once every other week, but I do have a bunch of ideas um, about topics that I want to discuss or things from my Instagram polls that people, you know, positively engaged with. Um, and so I'm debating how much I want to front load and how much I want to space it out. So if you have opinions or thoughts or comments or ideas, the whole point is to create, connect and contribute. You already know the three C's. Um, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, please go back to episode one and you'll get a better understanding of who I am, what this podcast is meant to be, and my ideas for growth, and you'll understand the three C's uh, more in depth. So once again, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Tune in next episode. Let me know what you want to hear about. And without further ado, love and light, my friends.